Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Verse 45. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they entered in and dwelled there. And the last state of, the ma- of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow in your presence this morning, we come to the throne of grace and mercy in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the singing. Thank you for the Sunday school hour, the offering, for every testimony that's been given, most of all for your presence. And I pray now that you bless the reading of thy word. I ask you to speak to our hearts this morning. Help us, God, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd bind the devil and any foul spirit that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. And Lord, I ask that there be some sinner here this morning, and God, I'm sure there is, I pray that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. May they be born again by the grace of God, and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture that what Jesus is dealing with is a Pharisaic revival of outward religious strictness. And Jesus is dealing with self-reformation. And when you think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and where they are in this text here, uh, Jesus is speaking to them because self-reformation has sent more people to hell than drugs and alcohol and uh, than, than any other type of sin that we could think of this morning when you consider the crowd. In Matthew chapter number 12, if you was to take the time and go back and be, read from the beginning of this chapter, you would note that it is a religious crowd. This is a crowd that is uh, stooped in their religion. They knew the Pentateuch. They could quote probably more Bible than anybody here this morning. Uh, they wore the very word of God woven into their clothing. And so they were a very religious uh, group of people. And I want to stop and say what Jesus is trying to get across to them is that salvation and religion is two different things. Amen? Uh, Christianity and religion is not the same. Religion will send you to hell. Salvation, Christianity will bring you out of religion and will deliver your soul from hell. So this is a religious crowd. And then it is a rebellious crowd. When you think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, they would not receive Christ. They, they hated Jesus and they, they didn't mind his miracles. They didn't mind the good deeds that he did. But what they despised about the Lord the most was truth. Amen. This is a crowd that although they, uh, so to speak, proclaimed the truth and, and they wore the truth, uh, the only difference was they did not want to hear the truth. And You know, there are people that go to church and they have a religious mask. They have a religious facade. They're just like the Pharisees. Pharisees, uh, uh, they may not have a pharisaical spirit about them but they work and they work hard in the church and, and they're busy in the church and they engulf their life with all kinds of events and, and things surrounding the church and, and they, they're really a good church member but the problem is uh, they really don't want to hear the truth when it gets down to their soul amen, they kind of push back and, and they push that away and they tell themselves I'm an okay person and I, I do all the 
these things and I'm just like everybody else, but deep down, uh, there's just as much rebellion against the truth uh, as there is some guy out there uh, sticking his face in the, or his fist in the face of God. So this is a rebellious crowd. This is a religious crowd, but then this is a reformed crowd. You see, they feel good about where they stand with God. I'm gonna tell you something about when you get saved. You never really feel good about where you stand with God. I mean, I know I'm saved this morning. I'm secure. And thank God we believe in eternal security this morning. But I want to tell you, repentance does not end when you get saved. It only begins in your life. Now, I'm not repenting uh, anymore to be saved. I want to be clear about that. But after the Holy Spirit moves in your heart and uh, the seed of the Word of God takes place in your life, uh, you have a God conscience, amen? Uh, Your spirit is not dead. It is alive. And now the Spirit of God is going to guide you and lead you and he's going to open your eyes to the truth of the word of God so the things that you were once blinded to now you can see them when the man of God preaches you understand it and you hear it and the Holy Spirit deals with your heart and so you never really feel good about the flesh you never really feel good about yourself because now all of a sudden you see yourself for who you really are you see yourself wicked you see yourself ungodly you know that you're always going to miss the mark of God, that we're never really going to measure up. It doesn't mean that I go around depressed about it, but what it does mean is that the Holy Ghost is always turning the light on about something in my life. I could say one little thing if I was to say something, maybe I snapped at Brother Laddie this morning and said something I shouldn't say. If I was lost, I'd go on about my way and forget all about it because it, I, I'm not, I don't have a God conscience. But if I was to, uh, was to say something to Brother Laddie in the wrong spirit, I promise you uh, I wouldn't take two steps. Uh, it wouldn't hardly get off my tongue and the Holy Ghost uh, would turn the light on and say, you're not right. You don't have a right spirit in what you're saying. And that's a God conscience, amen? But this crowd didn't have that. They were blind. They felt good about themselves. And so I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on the difference between reformation, the difference between being reformed and being reborn. Amen. The difference between being reformed and reborn. You see, that's why Jesus gives this parable in this text is because he's dealing with a crowd that is self-reformed. They feel good about who they are and where they're at. And so Jesus is going to point out some things concerning the man in this parable. I want you to notice these three things this morning and we'll be through. First of all, I want you to see the spiritual corruption of this man in verse number 43. The Bible said that when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and he findeth none. Here's a man that is spiritually corrupt. And I want you to note that the spirit lived in him, amen? This unclean spirit is gone out, meaning that he lived on the inside. You wouldn't think about someone being religious or someone that would go to church that they would have an unclean spirit in them. But there is the unclean spirit of reformation and religion this morning. You know why some people come to church and they never feel convicted about anything? Because they're not saved. I've literally heard people, and I'm sure you have too, say uh, you would preach something out of the Bible and they would confront you about it and they would say, well, I don't see 
anything wrong with that. Friend, if a man of God can take the scripture and show you from the Bible where something's wrong and you can't see that, then you're not saved. Because the natural man receiveth not the things of God. His mind is darkened unto them things. Uh, Brother Danny quoted the verse this morning out of 2 Corinthians where he talked about the God of this world who hath blinded not the eyes, but he's blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto him, unto them. You see tonight, this morning, when you get saved, the Holy Ghost turns that light on and the light of the word of God shines uh, and you can see it. Amen. I remember after I got saved, that was one of the evidences, uh, one of the marks that I was born again. I didn't know John 3, 16 the day I got saved. But I'll tell you, after I got saved, I could hear preaching and you know what happened after I got saved that didn't happen before I got saved. And while that man of God was preaching, it got real personal in my life. The things he was saying, the verses he was quoting, uh, the points he was bringing out of the Bible, he got down to where the rubber meets the road. It started the Lord started working in my heart. You remember that? And if you're saved, he's still doing that. Amen? But in this text this morning, uh, here's a man that has an unclean spirit and that unclean spirit lived inside of him. I notice not only did it live in him, but it left him. The Bible said in verse 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, that spirit left the man. Now the man is still dead. He's still darkened in his sin. He's still lost without God. But the Spirit has left him now. The Spirit has come and now the Spirit has gone. The Spirit has left him. It lived in him, but it's left him. But when you look at verse number 43, the Bible's talking about the Spirit when it says he walketh through dry places seeking rest and he findeth none. Then look at verse number 44. This unclean spirit longed for this man. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. So the Spirit leaves this man. He's lived in him for some time but now he longs to go back to him. Have you ever seen people get in church and turn over a new leaf and uh, you know, maybe they were out there in sin and, and they lived a life of sin and then they get in church and, and they just kind of turn over a new leaf. They come down to the altar, they pray a prayer, they repent and, and we all hope that they truly got saved and some do and some don't. Let's just be honest about it. And uh, they're in church for just a little while but they go right back out there, they go right back to the old life, they go right back to the old way of living they just can't stick. They just can't stay. Amen. And the problem is, uh, is that that unclean spirit that left them uh, is longing for them. Think about people in our church today that stooped in religion. You think about Catholicism and Mormonism and the, Je the Jehovah's false witness and, and you think about the, the church of Christ that, believe, uh, that preach that you've got to be baptized to be saved. Uh, uh, that takes away from the, the death of Christ on the cross and adds to it and adds water baptism. Uh, uh, they used to call them Camelites years ago. Uh, and so uh, you think about all these false religions, these occults that are out there today. Here's what religion does. Uh, it shackles a person. It, it, it puts a, a person under uh, their binding, under their spell, so to speak. And only the light of the word of God is gonna break through to them and set them free, amen? It's got a stronger hold on them than alcohol. Listen, you got a better chance of winning a drunk than you do a church of Christ, amen? I'm not telling you can't win a church of Christ. I'm not telling you can't win a, ca a Catholic. They can be saved, and we all know ones that have been saved, but it's harder. It takes longer to deal with them. It takes longer to convince them that 
that they're lost uh, than you do someone out there just living it up in the pleasures of this world. Amen? You know why? Because the Spirit is binding on them. The spiritual corruption of this man. The self-cleansing of this man. Look at verse 44. The Bible said in verse 44, Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, notice how he finds this house. Empty, swept, and garnished. I see the self-cleansing of this man in verse number 44. He cleaned his life up. He cleaned things up. If he was a drunk, he stopped drinking. If he was a dope head, he quit his dope. All of these things. He's cleaned things up. He's taken things out. The Bible said the Spirit found it empty. You know, this morning, to just empty your life of sin is not salvation. Some people think if you have a list, then you are doing pretty good. Well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't run with those who do. A preacher, I, I must be a good person. I must be saved because, uh, uh, you know, I, I dress right. I, I don't dress perverted. I, I don't dress provocative. I, 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 don't, uh, I don't dress sensual. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I go to church on Sunday. I, I carry a King James Bible. I go to Sunday school. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I listen, I don't go to the movies. I don't watch bad things. Uh, I don't listen to rock music. I don't listen to country music. Uh, I do all that. I mean, I'm just like everybody else. I'm going to tell you about everybody else. We're all sinners. And when you compare your salvation to someone else, you're not comparing it to much this morning. I thank God for people who live a clean life, and you know I believe every bit of that. But this morning, there's more to this thing than a list. Friend, you better have life in you this morning to just fall in the lingo of religion and learn to talk like everybody else and and to learn to look like everybody else on Sunday morning and everybody else on Sunday night, uh, to learn to to be against the things that you're supposed to be against and to be for the things that you're supposed to be for. You can be gun barrel straight and still be twice as empty, amen? I'm telling you, listen, it's not the outward appearance uh, of an individual that makes them saved. Uh, God looks on the heart, amen? Uh, God is looking in your heart this morning morning. And by the way, that list, uh, let me tell you something about we that are saved, that have those things in our life that we do and don't do. It's not because uh, we live by a bunch of do's and don'ts. Uh, It's because we love the Lord uh, and we want to serve God and we want to please Him. Uh, And it's all about serving Jesus this morning. uh, I want to say this morning, uh, if there's no love in your heart for God, uh, if it's not personal this morning, just getting things out of your life. It's not going to do you a bit of good. I know someone this morning that they live this pattern. They'll get out there and do all kinds of things. And then after a few years, they'll come back to church and they'll run down to the altar. They'll repent. They'll call me. They'll say, I got got things right with God. I'll say, well, man, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. But in the back of my mind, I've just prayed for them down through the years because I've seen it so many times in their life. That lasts about three weeks, two months, six at the most. And you know what happens when they get, when they quote unquote get right with God? They get rid of everything, Brother Wilson, everything. They start telling me all the things that they're getting rid of. And I listen to it. The only thing I don't hear is how much they love God. 
They said, man, I quit this and I quit that and I stopped doing this. And man, that's great. And your life's going to be a whole lot better getting that mess out of your life. But you know what? Six months later, they went back and bought every bit of it back. They brought every bit of it back in their house. They're just back at the same point. And you say, well, I don't do any of those things. Neither did this crowd. They weren't out doing none of those wicked things. But what they were doing, they had emptied all of those things out of their life and they were proud they didn't do those things. And they had put all these other things in their life thinking it would obtain salvation. You see, that's what real Phariseeism is. It's not somebody trying to live a clean life, but a real Pharisee is someone that takes all these uh, man-made rules and applies them for salvation, amen? That's what real Pharisee and legalism is. Uh, A lot of people use the terminology and they don't even use it in its proper context. Uh, But if you read the Bible, Jesus is dealing with a crowd that thinks they're clean, but they're really filthy. He called them vipers. He called them, uh, listen, whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Uh, they're really filthy but they think they're clean there may be somebody sitting here this morning and you say well preacher I'm a member of a church uh, and I've taught Sunday school and and I've sang in the choir and I pay tithes uh, and I'm a good person Uh, I want to tell you there is none that doeth good no not one for all of our righteousness is filthy rags Uh, for the Bible said for all have sinned uh, and come short of the glory of God and what Jesus is trying to get across to this crowd is that it's not your goodness uh, and it's not your your wickedness uh, that's going to get you to heaven or send you to hell. You see, people don't go to hell because of what they do. They go to hell because of what they are. Amen? And whether you're a good sinner or a bad sinner, you're still a sinner. Amen? Uh, And sinners have got to be saved. Uh, Whether God saves you off a church pew or whether he saves you off a bar stool, it doesn't make no difference this morning. It takes the same grace of God to save you out of sin uh, as it does the same you from sin this morning but man is a sinner today and as empty as he may make his life it does not make him clean self cleansing he had taken out he had even tidied up he had swept the Bible says cleaned his life up really good people say well I you know I used to do this but now I don't And uh, he cleans it up, he tidies it up, he trims it up. The Bible said in verse number 44, he garnished it. You know what that means? That means to make it look attractive. That means to to make it look impressive. There are people in church today that they think their good works are going to impress someone. A good question for us all to ask ourselves this morning is this question, why do I do the things that I do? Do I do it for my pastor so that he'll think I'm a good church member? Do I do it for my parents because they've raised me godly and I love them and I'm loyal to them and that's wonderful? Is that why you do the things you do? That's commendable to a point, but it's not salvation. Do I do these things because uh, others are looking and I want to be a good citizen in society and and I want to be a good moral person? Why do you do what you do? Why why do you uh, serve? Why do you work in a church? Uh, What's the motive behind all of that? I promise you, if it's any other reason other than I'm saved and I just love Jesus and, and I want to please Him and I want to serve Him, it's the wrong motive this morning. We're not to do be men pleasers. We're, we're not to do lip 
service or eye service. Uh, the Bible said in Colossians 3 and verse number 23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, for that knowing of the Lord you shall receive the reward of your inheritance, uh, for you serve the Lord Christ. Uh, I'm telling you, we're not to do what we do this morning so that others will look at us, uh, so that others will pat us on the back. Uh, we're, listen, I know we're accountable to each other this morning, but we're not to do uh, things to boast or to brag or to look like everybody else. No, I'm telling you, if you're genuinely saved this morning, if everybody in this room quit serving God and walked away, what would you do this morning? What would you do? Do you try to impress people? I thought down through the years as I've watched saints of God, I remember one time in this church years ago, in that building over there, there was someone that stood up and they, they gave a testimony of how God had worked in their life and had dealt with them about something in their life. Now, they didn't say what the something was, but I knew what it was. And they stood up and they gave testimony. The Lord has worked something in my life and I've given that up for the Lord and I, and I just want to make a, a commitment to that. And as soon as they sat down, their best friend stood up. And their best friend knew the same thing. And so their best friend just blurted out and said, I've given this up. And I knew it was the very same thing that that person had done. The only difference was they said it and they didn't. Or they said it and they didn't say it. Do you know what happened? In about 30 days, the person that stood up and gave it up for God, they just kept on going. They never said another word about it. They just kept on serving God. The other person that gave it up got mad about it. Now, nobody held a gun to their head. Y'all still with me this morning? They gave it up, but they gave it up for the wrong reason. And about 45 days later, guess what? It was my fault, and it was my wife's fault. You say, how do you know that? Because they looked at me and told me that. They said, the only reason I gave that up was because of you. I said, me? I said, I didn't have no clue. And they said, well, and her too. And I said, she didn't make, we didn't come to your house and tell you to do something. I'm going to tell you, the difference between salvation and reformation is this. When you do things for others, friend, you do it for the wrong reason. You're never satisfied. You're never happy. You wind up getting bitter at everybody else. And the truth is, nobody made you do anything. People, don't, people do what they want to do. Can I get an amen right there? They can lay the excuses. They can lay the blame at everybody else's feet. And I'm telling you, we're living in a day when that is so easy and that's what everybody does. I mean, it's all the way in, it's in a political realm. I'm telling you, listen, it's disgraceful. Listen, all the blame that gets laid. Why don't people people just own up the stuff and own their sin and confess their sin but we see it in the political realm we see it uh, uh, listen in the spiritual realm in churches uh, uh, people get up and I uh, listen all these recovering everything else that's going on nowadays uh, I'm telling you something listen uh, they, they, they want to blame old fashioned churches and old fashioned preachers uh, uh, for all the things that they went through and act like they were misused and abused and everything else uh, I'm going to tell you that's nothing but a lie hatched out of hell amen I'm going to tell you I was raised in a non-Christian home I grew up. I don't have no sympathy for church brats. Somebody say amen that was raised in church and listen, they want to say, well, I'm out in sin and living the way I am now and I don't dress right and I don't do right and I don't look right because people abuse me in the church. I don't believe that. I'm not talking about physical abuse. I'm talking about verbal abuse. You say, preacher, why are you so hard on me? I'm going to tell you why. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I'd have gave anything 
to have went to a camp meeting and come home and instead of helping my dad down the hallway in a drunken stupor into the bed, I'd have gave anything to come home with a godly family and had prayer, prayer around the coffee table. You think I'm going to feel sorry for somebody that was raised in church all their life who had parents that loved them and prayed for them and taught them right? And then they want to go live like the devil and blame their parents and their grandparents and everything. You think I'm going to feel sorry for somebody like that? Friend, you're crippled too high for crutches if you think that. But I'm telling you this morning, here's a man that made everything look so attractive. But he was just self-reformation. Why do people live the way they do? Some because they've never been truly saved. Then lastly, there's the sad commentary of this man. Verse 45. The Bible said, Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they entered in and dwelled there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. What I see in verse 45 is that the spirit multiplies for this man. He goeth and taketh with him seven other spirits. Seven being the number of completion. Now, this man, his worse because the Spirit has multiplied for him. The Spirit moves in with him. He comes and he takes those seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter in and dwell there. And listen, he manifests himself so that the last state of the man is worse than the first day. Can I tell you something about religion? It doesn't make you a better person. It makes you worse this morning because self-deception is worse than satanic deception. You can convince people that the devil's a liar and that he has deceived them but you have a harder time convincing them that they have lied to themselves and deceived themselves I promise you the Holy Ghost will never lead you wrong he'll comfort you if, you if you're saved he'll give you that confirmation he'll let you know if you're born again but if you're lost you'll be just like the, the spirit in verse number 43 uh, you'll seek rest but you'll find none amen I've seen people doubt their salvation but eventually if they would if the, once they get in the word of God and they really seek God they find rest in that but a person that's never been saved hey the same book that convinces me that I'm saved uh, will convict a sinner that they're lost this morning and I'm telling you if you've been born again if you've been saved by the grace of God uh, it's not a sad commentary in your life uh, it's a glorious event uh, and it produces joy and it gives peace uh, and it does what religion cannot do uh, and thank God you're better off now than you were before when you was lost, hallelujah. You say, preacher, I'm just worse. I just get worse and worse. Maybe you need a good old-fashioned dose of my friend's salvation because if you've been born a kid, it will make a difference in your life. Hey, hear me. You don't have to be out in all kinds of what we call wicked sin. And it is wicked sin. You say, preacher, I got saved when I was seven years old. And I never went out there and did all them things, so I don't have a bunch of things to look back in my life and, and say that God took out. Friend, that's not salvation. Thank God that salvation makes that change in people who live that life. But if that's what salvation was, then if, if that's what is proof that they're saved, if they ever go back to it, then how are we going to know that, they, that they're not lost? What I'm telling you this morning, salvation starts in here. If you could get people to see that. You say, yeah, but when a drunk gets saved, they quit drinking. Well, sure they do. Well, when a dopehead gets saved, they quit doping. Sure they do. But I'm going to tell you, that's not where salvation started in their life. Salvation's on the inside. 
You know why? You know why a drug addict quits doing drugs and a drunkard quits drinking? Because they've got life on the inside of them. They don't want to do them things no more. My daddy had a, had a friend that, listen, if there was a no fishing sign, that's where he went fishing. If it said no hunting, that's where he went hunting. I mean, he, would, and he did that all the time and he would break the law all the time, serve three terms in, in Vietnam and he came home and he wasn't nothing but a dope head and a drunkard. I, I never hardly saw him sober a day in my life. We'd go over there on Friday nights and he had already be drunk by four o'clock in the afternoon. I, I'll tell you, he came by the house one Saturday morning about nine o'clock uh, and I was out there mowing the yard or fixing to mow the yard, Brother Laddie, and I thought, my Lord, it's nine o'clock and Frankie's still, he's already drunk. Uh, he must have stayed drunk all night, but he wasn't drunk as I suppose. Uh, you know what happened? Uh, he flipped the truck, uh, laid in the hospital for 28 days and about died uh, and told God, he said, God, if you'll spare my life and let me live, uh, I'll go to the house of God and I'll get saved, amen. He went to church on a Sunday morning, a little old foot washing post-millennial church, uh, there in the hills, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, close to Ella J. He got born in the family of God that Sunday morning. Hey, listen, I don't care if they had a priest on Mary had a little lamb. I think he went there to get saved. Uh, he got saved that morning. Uh, his own wife wouldn't come down there when they shook hands. Marcel, she said, I don't believe he's saved. Uh, she said, I'll have to see it to believe it. I'm gonna tell you about six months later in that same little old church, you know what happened? Uh, she came down the aisle uh, and she said, I want what friend Frankie got, amen. I'll tell you when Frankie got saved, you know what he did? He went around to all of his drinking buddies and all of his doping buddies on Saturday and he started telling them what God had done for them. I remember seeing him and my dad standing in the front yard, my daddy a crying and a weeping and Frankie was a crying and he's saying, Rick, you need to get saved. It's the best life I've ever known. I'm so happy now. He stood there and told my dad, he said, I ain't drank a drop in 30 days and he said I don't want none no more. He said God can take it all away from you and that's what salvation does but it didn't start with the bottle. I tell you where it started it started with the desire on the inside to want to live for God. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? Old Frankie said you know he said my flesh still wanted liquor and it still wanted dope after I got saved. This is what he told my daddy. And he said, I prayed, God, don't ever let me drink another drop. Don't ever let me smoke another joint. He told my dad, he said, you know what I did, Rick? He said, I went out there. He said, this what God told me to do. And I'm sure the Lord told him. He said, go down there and buy you a 24-pack of Pepsis. He said, I went down there and bought a 24-pack of Pepsis and put it in the fridge and said, buy Butterfinger candy bars. Now, I'm sitting out there and I'm not even saved at the time. I'm thinking, what in the world is he talking about? He's lost his mind. He said, every time, Rick, I wanted to, he said, my flesh, see, the flesh isn't saved. He said, every time my flesh wanted to, wanted to mix one up and every time it wanted to, uh, uh, to uh, draw a line on the table, every time it wanted to fire up uh, some weed, he said, uh, every time I wanted something to drink, he said, I'd go get me a Pepsi and I'd drink a Pepsi instead of drinking some liquor. And he said, every time, he said, I wanted to snort some Coke or, or smoke some weed, he said, I'd go in there and get me a Butterfinger candy bar. Uh, he said, the only problem I got now is, uh, he said, I've gained 20 pounds uh, and he said, I can't get off these butter 
Butter fingers and these Diet Pepsis. Amen. I'm telling you, he was, listen, his flesh still wanted that same stuff. But you know what God did? He put the want to inside of him. Something that all of hell cannot put in you. Something that religion can never give you. He wanted to live for Jesus. He's still living for God today. I'm here to tell you, friend, you say, well, I never done that stuff, and that's good. But I'm here to tell you, if you're in religion, you still don't have the want to. Amen. You know how religious people are. You can tell them something and they'll just go against it. If you tell them, now don't do this, they're going to do it. Because they got the same rebellion in them that everybody else has in them. If I said, now, now don't go to the fellowship hall, they're going to go to the fellowship hall. Just because you said that. That's how this crowd was. Everything Jesus said, they bucked it. You know why we got so many church splits and church problems today? I'm going to tell you why. And this probably ain't going to go over well with some people, but it's still the truth. We got lost people sitting in our churches. And even sadder, we got them running, some of them. That's why it's their way or the highway. That's why they won't get under a man of God. That's why they go to service and they'll say, well, you know what, he ain't going to talk to me like that. He's not going to preach to me like that. I want you to know this morning, I'm not being a smart I, I hope God shakes the very foundation of some religious person this morning and they see that you need life on the inside. It makes the difference. Notice what the Spirit does to this man. He does three things to him. In verse 45, he dominates him. He says it himself. In verse 44, he said this, I say I'll return into my house. He owned that man. Religion will dominate your life. And then he deceived that man. He, that man took and he had emptied and swept and garnished and he was deceived thinking he was okay. And then finally in verse 45, he destroyed him. His last state was worse than the first. You know what religion will do? It'll send a man to hell is what it'll do. Friend, religion is as much the devil's poison as alcohol is. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, I don't need to be saved. I'm a good person. Well, I go, I, I, I do everything everybody else does. If that's, on, if that's your only basis this morning, well, I work, I do all these things for everybody in the church, and, and, I, and I work for the Lord, I serve God. If that's your only basis for salvation this morning, then you have no foundation. He said, well, my daddy's a godly person. My mama's a good, godly person. That's wonderful. Has nothing to do with your standing with God. Are you saved this morning? If you're here and you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. If you go out there and you start to do something that the Lord, the Lord will always use these three steps if you're saved. If you think about doing something that's wrong, I'll tell you what He'll do about that. He'll convict you about it. He'll say, now don't do that. You're thinking about that. You don't need to do that. He'll convict you. And then if you go ahead and you go against what he tells you to do, you know what he'll do next? He'll condemn you while you're doing it. You say, well, I'm going to go out there and I'm going I'm to play the lottery this afternoon. Well, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit will say, no, you don't need to be gambling. Don't do that. You need to stay away from that, from that convenience store. That's what you're going to do. Don't, don't do that. You need to go home. That's how the Holy Spirit will talk to you. 
Well, I'm going to go do it. And you start driving down the road. All the while, the Holy Spirit said, Now, you know you don't need to be gambling. That's not a good steward of God's money. For you to win, somebody has to lose. And, and being a Christian is not about taking. It's about giving. But you're driving down the road. You're ignoring all that. You walk in that convenience store and you, the whole time you're looking over your shoulder. I hope preacher don't come in. Because he don't think gambling's right. I hope Brother Laddie don't come in. He's a deacon. He don't think gambling's right. You're looking over your shoulder. And when you buy that lottery ticket, you're condemned. You'll go scratch it off and guess what? You lose. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit says, I told you not to buy that. And you go out and you feel terrible. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside and you did something that was wrong. And then you know what he'll do? He'll, con- he'll convict you. He'll condemn you. But then he'll chastise you. You're going back to the house and the Lord said, now I told you not to do that. And you're going to have to take a whipping for it. And somewheres, I don't know how he does it and when he does it because that's the way it is in all of our life. Somewheres he will let you know this is because I told you don't go buy a lottery ticket. This is why that happened. He chastised you. And if you're here this morning, you say, well, I can buy a lottery ticket and it don't even bother me. Oh, friend, then you're not saved. You're not saved. You say, how do you know that? Because God is no respecter of persons. Don't tell me, well, God may not let you do it, but he'll let me do that. That's not the way God works. That's in that book, friend. And I want to ask you, does the Holy Spirit ever convict you about the way you live, the things you do? If you're saved, He does. And if you're not, then He doesn't. Let's stand this morning. Father, Lord, I pray there's somebody here lost. And I'm sure there is. I, I don't believe for one moment you would tell me to preach this sermon and nobody needed. God, I pray if there's somebody here religious but lost, please, right now, at this very moment, let them see themselves as they really are. Give them the, the humility to just step out of their seat. It doesn't matter what their title is. It doesn't matter who their parents are. It doesn't matter who their pastor is. God, I pray this morning that they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray the Holy Ghost will deal with them right now and draw them to an altar of repentance.